We're in Hebrews, as you might know. Um, Hebrews 11, we're going to look at verse 7, and then we're also going to read from Genesis chapter 6, uh, verses 9 to 22. So we'll go over. <clears throat> so Hebrews 11, verse 7 says this, By faith Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness that comes by faith. Genesis 6, 9 to 22. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God. And Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. And God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end to all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and out with pitch. This is how you are to make it. The length of the ark, 300 cubits. Its breadth, 50 cubits. And its height, 30 cubits. Make a roof for the ark and finish it a cubit above. And set the door of the ark in its sides. Make it with lower, second, and third decks. For behold, I will bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh, in which is the breath of life under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall die. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall come into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, your sons' wives with you. And of every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every sort of into the ark and to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female, of the birds according to their kinds, of the animals according to their kinds, of the every creeping thing on the ground according to its kind. Two of every sort shall come into you, into you to keep them alive. Always take with you every sort of food, and also take with you every sort of food that is eaten and stored up. It shall serve as food for you and for them. Noah did this. He did all that God commanded him. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the testimony of Noah and his faithful walk with you. God, we... uh, We pray that we would have ears like Noah did for your voice, and God, that we um, we would have faith like his that that acted in obedience when you spoke. God, we invite your Holy Spirit to be here, um, convicting us, challenging us, encouraging us from your word. Thank you for this time you've given us to gather Thank you for the opportunity to fellowship and to be encouraged by one another. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, so we're looking at Noah today, as you may have have figured out there. Um, And what we're looking at is God speaking to Noah. God spoke to Noah, and uh, we'll find out as we look as we go through this uh, passage in this message, that, that God is speaking to us as well. So um, what are some things that we learn here about Noah? <clears throat> First, as we look at Noah's faith, we see that Noah heard from the Lord, right? Uh, verse 7, By faith, 
Noah being warned by God. So God was speaking to Noah. And, and as, as we read that passage from Genesis, we saw that God spoke very specifically to Noah about what he was to do and how he was to carry out what he was uh, to accomplish. And, and that was to build an ark for the coming flood that God had warned about. Noah heard from the Lord. God was speaking to him directly. And um, the reason Noah heard from the Lord, anybody guess? Found favor, yeah, okay. Yeah, he found favor. Even simpler than that. Why did he hear from the Lord? Because he was listening. He was listening. You know, so often it's easy for us to forget that, like, we can listen for the Lord. Like, he's there, and he wants, to, he wants to talk to us. And Noah heard from the Lord because he was listening. He was listening for the Lord's instruction. He was listening for the Lord's voice. He, was, he knew that God existed and that he wanted a relationship with him in some way. And so he was listening. He heard from the Lord. And the Lord told him of future events, things that had never happened before in the history of man to that point, and never will happen, thankfully, because of the covenant given uh, at the end of it. He heard of future events, and uh, these events had not occurred before. <clears throat> Noah was given specific instructions about, about what he was to do, and the Lord spoke to him very clearly uh, what he ought to do. Second thing that we see from this passage is that uh, Noah condemned the world. Don't really like that word, right? Don't like to talk about condemnation. It's not really a fun word. It's one of those words that it's like submission, you know, <laughs> like words that we talk about uh, from scripture that are just sort of tough to explain and talk through. But he condemned the world is what, what our passage says, right? In verse seven, um, in reverent fear, he constructed an ark for the saving of his household. And by this, he condemned the world. Man, what does that mean? He condemned the world. Well, test, uh, the testimony of Scripture says that Noah uh, was actually a preacher of righteousness. So does that mean then that Noah was out there just like condemning people for all the evil things that they were doing, just going around and just pointing out all their flaws and, and throwing condemnation on them? And should we take maybe that example? I don't think so. I don't think that's what condemned uh, the world. You see, Noah was a faithful builder. God spoke to Noah, and Noah acted. See, I don't think that Noah set out in his life to go about condemning the world. I don't think he was like, you know what, I'm just going to go tell all these people, God told me that they're all violent and evil, and I'm going to just go tell them that you guys are all violent and evil, and, uh, and just started condemning people. I, don't think he had, I don't, honestly don't think he had time <laughs> to do that. As I was reflecting on this passage this week and, you know, thinking about the instructions God gave him, God gave him a monumental task. I mean, monumental even by our standards today with manufacturing and, and uh, machinery that we have now. I mean, they didn't have drills, you know what I mean? Like, crazy. It's mind-blowing to me um, to think that. And so Noah is told by God, build this humongous ark and... 300 cubits is equal to 450 feet, which is how many meters? Anyway, <laughs> um, we were talking about conversion of, uh, of measurements yeah, the, er, earlier today. So, yeah, exactly. So 
um, almost over a football field long, this ark, right? And 75 feet wide. Um, uh, so this huge task. So not only do you build this thing and find the lumber for this thing and assemble this thing, then he says, you're going to cover that thing in pitch. You're going to seal it inside and out with this, you know, basically uh, like tar sort of substance. Um, so I was definitely thinking about that this week because I was painting and staining and all those things. And I'm like, Noah, oh my gosh, you are a crazy man. <laughs> you know, painting this forever and ever. How long would that take to cover and then to know that you covered it effectively? Oh my gosh. And so I don't think he had time to just like go around like preaching condemnation and telling people that they're evil and they need to, you know, get in shape. I think he was busy doing what God told him to do, right? God said, you build an ark because this generation is evil and I'm, you know, I'm going to destroy them. But the word does indicate that he's a preacher of righteousness. So something was speaking from Moses. Now, I do think that he probably at times spoke about who God was and, and, and told, told about who God was, that God told him things, maybe even told him that the flood was coming. And, and we don't have any record of that. So it's, for me, it's speculation, but I'm sure if he's called a preacher of righteousness, that he spoke at some point, that he told him, hey, this is, yeah, I'm building this. People are going to come up to him and say, hey, why are you building a humongous ark that we've never seen the size of before? He's like, well, because the Lord's going to flood the entire earth and, you know, like you should probably do something similar, like, you know, giving them uh, some instruction as well. Like, I think he would be saying that. I think he would be sharing that, that God has revealed to me that this terrible thing is going to happen. I don't think he's saying, well, you don't get in. Sorry, (laughs) I got chosen and I'm going to build this thing. So good luck. I don't think he did that. I think as he was faithfully building what God had told him to build, he said, this is what the Lord has revealed, and this is what the Lord is doing, and you can walk in it too, if you will. And the amazing thing that, that the reason I think Hebrews says, <clears throat> by this he condemned the world, is that not because Noah was out there preaching condemnation, but that Noah, as he faithfully did as God instructed him to do, and likely lovingly shared with those he probably had relationships around him with, um, they rejected him. They rejected his message and they rejected what he was doing. No one lended a hand except for his sons to build this ark. You know, they rejected his message. So he condemned the world. In effect, his life of faithfulness, in the end, condemned the world because the world had an opportunity to respond. I mean, he didn't build that thing overnight. Okay, uh, that, that project of building an ark took many, many, I don't know, years. I'm not sure how long it would take, honestly. Uh, it took him a very long time to construct it. So as Hebrews says, that he condemned the world. I believe this is such a monumental task that the, the world, the known world at that time, knew of this task, knew this was happening, and did not respond to it. He condemned the world by his faithful action. Second, by his obedient construction of the ark, he becomes an heir of righteousness on account of his faith. 
This is a, just an interesting um, uh, question for us, I guess. Like, when we talked some about it at, at, uh, at Bible study, it was like, is his righteous act creating his faith or his faith creating his righteous act? And the answer is yes, <laughs> you know? Um, you know, the, the, the verse in Hebrews says, by faith, being warned by God in reverent fear, Noah constructed an ark for the saving of his household. And by this constructing of the ark, he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness. By constructing the ark, he became an heir of righteousness by faith. It was all wrapped up together, you know? I mean, his action and his faith are going hand in hand together. Like, you can't, you can't separate them out and say, well, this one came first or that one came first. Um, you know, so those actions are tied to his faith so intimately. And I think for us, it's, it's uh, mysteriously tied together. We would say emphatically that, uh, that it is our faith that saves us by the grace of God, not by any works that we do. But we would also say in the same breath that by faith, Noah built an ark. That, that the, the attaching of himself to the message God had given him resulted in action in his life. It didn't, it didn't result in just returning to his normal routine and ignoring what God said. Like, what if God came to him and said, hey, build that ark, you know, this is what's going to happen. Um, and he was like, okay, I believe you, but I really, like, I don't want to build a boat. I mean, I know that it's going to happen. I know you said it to me and God, you spoke to me, but I really don't want to do that. It's kind of hard. Like, it'd be really difficult to build a football field plus long. They didn't know what football field was. Uh, You know, 450 foot uh, arc right now. I don't really want to do that. People are going to laugh at me and think I'm crazy. So, you know, he, he... his actions are tied up in his faith in God. Because God said what was going to happen, he believed God that that's going to happen, and an action followed with it. <clears throat> his obedient construction showed him, or made him become an heir of righteousness on account of his faith. It's all wrapped in there together. So Noah heard from the Lord because he was listening. He condemned the world by his faithful action. He became a righteous uh, heir of righteousness on account of his faith. And the fact is, our days aren't any different than Noah's. <laughs> we're, we're living in very similar days. And Jesus says exactly as much in Matthew 24, uh, verses 37 to 39. He says, <clears throat> he's saying to the, the Pharisees and Sadducees at the time that were questioning him, um, for as were the days of Noah, so will be the, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. The same God who spoke to Noah is speaking still. And the same circumstances that were in Noah's time are in our time as well. And while Noah's, in Noah's time, uh, a group of people was saved through a flood that destroyed all living beings, 
um, and, and continued then on the human race in this, in this form, uh, we know that the Son of Man is coming, that, that, that the end times will be here, that, that Jesus will come again and bring his church into an everlasting kingdom. We know that. We believe that. That's, that's exactly precisely what the Bible teaches, is that there is a time coming when the Lord comes back and takes us home with him. And what's happening around us? People are marrying and giving in marriage uh, and eating and drinking and enjoying life and completely ignoring that message, saying, eh, I'm, I'm all set, thanks. Our days are no different than the days of Noah. Um, we will either be met with the Lord's coming or we will pass away and, and, and see him in judgment. And we'll either stand before God approved because of the blood of Jesus upon us or we will not. <clears throat> so our days are, are no different than Noah's. The same God who spoke to him is, is still speaking. And so um, in the rest of our time, I want to I talk through these two points. And the first one is, got some blanks in there to fill in, some interactive activity in my notes here. Um, <clears throat> the first statement there is this, that God is speaking to you about your future. <clears throat> God is speaking to you about your future. God's speaking to you. Uh, so often we say, I, you know, I don't hear God. I don't, you know, he's not, not showing up like he did in the, in the scriptures where he just maybe appeared to somebody or like maybe some audible voice came or whatever. And I would say to you, uh, even if that doesn't happen to you and I'm not limiting God to not doing that in your life, uh, he is speaking to you. And we've talked about this a number of times, but he's speaking to you. He has spoken to you. It's, it's all here in, in 66 books that have been preserved and, and maintained over thousands of years for our study and encouragement in faith. He's speaking to you through his word. We've said this as well. He, he's speaking to you through the people that he has surrounded you with in your life. Uh, we're not just like information sharers, you know, with each other. We're life sharers with each other, and we're speaking into one another's situations and circumstances. God is speaking through his people to us. God is speaking through your circumstances. The situations that you're in, that you find yourself in, that I find myself in, he is speaking to us a testimony of his faithfulness and love constantly. Despite how difficult it is or hard it is, he is right there with us, encouraging us in the way that we ought to go, reminding us of his ever-present faithfulness to us. Never has the Lord been unfaithful to us, not once. He's always been there. He speaks through our circumstances. He speaks to us by his Spirit. As we set aside time in our lives unto the Lord, as we, as we pray to the Lord in our personal, you know, times of devotion, or um, <clears throat> the Spirit is speaking to you. We've, we've said it many times, but the Holy Spirit, when you've placed your faith in Jesus, is taken up residence inside of you. Like, 
you are now a temple of, of the Lord's presence. And, and the Holy Spirit is the one that is there convicting you and challenging you and saying, hey, you know, maybe you should go this way or you need to stop this path that you're on right now. You need to turn around and go the other way. Or, you know, maybe you're deciding between a couple of decisions, a number of decisions. You say, Lord, like, you know, I don't know what I should do, Lord. You can ask him. Like, you can ask him very plainly and he'll say, you know, this is, you'll know. You'll, you'll feel that prompting in your spirit. Like, this is the next step. Okay. <clears throat> And sometimes we want God to just like lay everything out in perfect specific uh, uh, instructions, very clear, like a big bullet pointed list that I can just follow. <laughs> you know, I just, want a, I just want a checklist that I can just walk right through and knock these things off one at a time and we'll be good. I'm glad that God isn't like that when I step back and think about how that would be. You know, like if God was like, all right, here's the list for today. Uh, this is what you have to do. This is what you'll be doing at 6.01 a.m. And then here's at 6.05 a.m. And then at 6.10 a.m. I want you to do this. And then at 6.15 uh, we need to do this. And you're like, what? <laughs> Could you imagine how uh, mundane and robotic would that feel? If like your life was just like, here are all the details. Just follow these steps and you're good to go. It's not how God interacts with us. It's not how he interacted with Noah, I don't believe. As specific as it seems, these instructions are in, in chapter 6 of Genesis. I mean, 300 cubits, uh, 50 cubits breadth, uh, 30 cubits height, make the roof a cubit above that, uh, three decks, uh, you know, put, put pitch around the whole thing. Okay, so he made, he said, make a boat. That's what he did there, right? All he said there was make a boat make rooms in it with three decks. That's all he gave Noah. Did he tell him how to bend the wood? No. Did he tell him how to mix the pitch? No. <laughs> Did he tell him how big each room needed to be? No. Is each deck supposed to be the same height or a different height? You know, like, did he give them completely explicit instructions about exactly how those things are to be accomplished? No, he gave him what he should do. Make rooms in the boat. You're going to need a lot of rooms because you have the animals. So you gave them the purpose and sort of a few things to go on here. Like, okay, go make the boat. <laughs> you know, I was very much feeling like connected to that uh, this week as I was thinking about it. When I was thinking, okay, I've been here for a year. Uh, Lord said, uh, go ahead and take some space in downtown and make a coffee shop. I'm like, okay. You know how many details he didn't give us in that? So many. I, don't, I honestly, I'm not sure that we would have done it if he would have given us all the details of what we would go through. Is the truth of the matter. <clears throat> God wasn't entirely specific with Noah. He gave him exactly what he needed to know. He said, Noah, I need you to build an ark. There's going to be a flood coming that's going to destroy all my... That's all I need to know, Right? And so he followed that instruction. The same thing is true in our lives. Uh, the Lord doesn't always just line out, hey, here's your 10-year plan, folks. Here you go. Like, it's all there. As soon as you think he's done that, you know, a kid comes along. <laughs> you have a baby. You're having a baby. Or, or, you know, some event happens. You know, like, you seriously, that life happens, and your plan that you had is totally trashed. You know, it's gone. So 
it really comes back to realizing that God is speaking to you on, on a regular, daily basis. He's speaking to you in his word. He's speaking to you in the people around you. So as you come up against a, a question or a circumstance or situation, you go to your brother or sister and say, hey, I'm trying to do this like in a godly manner and trying to like follow the Lord in this, but I really don't know. <laughs> you know, God has gifted us with wisdom to share with each other doesn't always mean that like the wisdom someone shares with you is exactly what you need to follow, uh, but it is important to hear from other people to say, you know what, that is completely off base, or like, yeah, there might be something to that, and that might be all you need to know. It's like, okay, there might be something to that. I'm going to follow. <clears throat> God's speaking to you through your circumstances. You know, if God wants something to happen, he lets it happen. <laughs> It, it happens, you know? He, he comes. And if he doesn't want it to happen, you know what? He stops it, flat on its tracks. He speaks to you through your circumstances. He speaks to you by his spirit. <clears throat> God often, often only gives you the first step. I think of the example of Nehemiah. Um, Nehemiah is serving uh, the, the ruler at the time, um, Losing his name, uh, Cyrus, right? Is that right? Or Xerxes? Yeah, Xerxes. That's right. Um, he's serving Xerxes, and and all he does before he goes to talk to Xerxes, he prays briefly to the Lord, and then the Lord tells him what to say. You just ask the Lord real quick. Okay, here we go. And now I'm gonna. This is what we need. <laughs> you know, all Nehemiah knew was that he needed to go talk to Xerxes, and he had no idea what would happen next. He didn't know his head would be chopped off. He didn't know if Xerxes would be like, okay, well, I'll give you some of that stuff. He didn't know what he'd say, right? He just knew, okay, I'm supposed to go talk to Xerxes. He does. Sometimes it's exactly like that for us. So God is speaking to you, and he's speaking to you about your future. He's speaking about uh, through his word, about how you ought to live your life, through people and circumstances, about maybe what decisions you need to be making by, by his spirit in that as well. He's speaking to you about what your future should look like. Your past is done, and your present is right here. So what he's speaking to you about is, is probably going to be about what's coming in front of you, right? He might convict you about your past and, and do that, but predominantly, what, he, what he's interested in telling you is, this is how you ought to walk. This is the way in which you ought to go. So God is speaking to you about your future. And the, and the second thing there that we're going to look at is this, that not only is God speaking to you about your future, the other thing that we have to remember is that your future is speaking to the world about God. Your future is speaking to the world about God. See, God is speaking to you about your future because your faithfulness to God speaking to you in your life is a testimony to those around you. It's important for those around you to see what a faithful life is so that they might have the opportunity to respond to what God is doing in the world. So we often have the question, does your life really matter? Scripture says, yes, your life matters deeply. Your faith matters deeply because it speaks to those that are around you. It shows them uh, what it is to follow the Lord. I read this um, <clears throat> a quote uh, this week. 
about this passage and said this, in every generation, Christian obedience has powerful evangelistic value. People are influenced not only by what we say to them, but by the way we respond to what God says to us. That was so good. People are influenced not only by what we say to them, but by the way we respond to what God says to us. Your future is speaking to the world about God. When you walk in the way of the Lord, when you walk in the way the Lord reveals to you, your future will speak to the world about who God is. You know what Noah's life spoke to the world about? It said that God is a God who is relational. God is a God who reveals himself to mankind, who desires to save mankind. First uh, Peter, as it's reflecting on Noah, says <clears throat> that God is, um, God is patiently waiting for them to respond. Patiently waiting for people to respond. Did he desire that they perish? No, he didn't desire that they perished. He desired that they would respond to the preacher of, of righteousness as he faithfully followed God's message. When you walk in the way the Lord reveals to you, your future will speak to the world about who God is. Noah, in his following God's uh, instructions, says, God is a God who desires to save those who would acknowledge his existence. The world did not even acknowledge the Lord's existence or care for them in Noah's time. Completely rejected it. Noah's testimony was simply saying, God desires to save a people who would follow after him. And eight got on the boat. Eight. Your future is speaking to the world about who God is, about a God who uh, not only would send uh, a a man like Noah to uh, build a boat and and save his household and, and preach Uh, who God is to the world. He would send his only son to die for the world, the world that hated him and and killed him. As we follow the Lord, it speaks to the world about who God is. So as we wrap up, I'll just go with a couple of things. Um, as we reflect on Noah, again, we say the, the age-old question, which came first, right, the chicken or the egg? And the answer in this case is yes. We don't know. Yes. When it came to Noah, uh, which came first, his faith or his works? Yes. We're saved by faith, and every action that follows is by the exact same faith. They're married together. Theologically, I would say he's saved by faith through grace alone. Okay, just so you know that. But it is so intimately tied with a response to the Lord in action. 
They're right together. <clears throat> Second, this, um, and you know this, our, our culture doesn't agree with our moral standard. They don't. Uh, our culture doesn't agree with the moral standard of, of the Bible. Uh, in, in general terms, you know, in, in, in some ways, we don't like the moral standard of the Bible. <laughs> There's some cases where we think, man, it'd be a lot easier if this wasn't there or that wasn't there. You know, uh, I'd feel a little better in my culture if that wasn't there. Yeah, but our culture doesn't agree with our moral standard. And there's two reasons that I can think of right now f- for that. Now, the first is this, uh, because the world has its own sinful inclination. The reason we don't like some of the parts of the Bible is that we have our own sinful inclination. We don't want uh, to be told no to X, Y, or Z, but we are, and it's for our good. But the reason our culture doesn't agree with our moral standards is because of its own sinful inclination. The second reason is maybe stronger for us to feel and important for us to feel. It's because the culture is lacking in examples of the life of faith. Uh, Too often the church has held a moral standard that it is dashed to pieces on its own. Not in small ways, in big ways. And too often, as the culture looks at Christians, they think, well, what's the difference? They look the same as us. They're doing the same things as us. It doesn't look like their faith matters to them that much. I think I can get by just fine. And so it's a challenge to us to say, what, what is it that is different for us as, as believers in Jesus to our culture? How, how do we live life in a way that, that reflects the, the attributes and the love and faithfulness of our God? How is our life speaking to the world about who God is? Is it? That's right. Um, and, you know, the thing, the thing to remember is that as we look at Noah, again, he didn't go about condemning the world, you know. He didn't go out there, and I would definitely not tell you to go out there, to go out to a street corner and start just preaching condemnation on people. Some people that feel called to do that type of thing. And, you know, in spite of how I feel about that, I think the Lord does use that in some ways. But predominantly, that's probably not your calling. <laughs> I would go out on a limb and say that. The predominant way the Lord is going to speak to our world about who He is is by us faithfully listening to what God has for us to do and obeying it. Just like Noah, the, the action of building the ark spoke of God's righteousness and holiness to these people. There are some that actually believe that the ark is effectively a temple. That it's a, it's a floating temple. It's interesting, if you look at the root word for pitch, and I did a little bit of study on this, it, uh, it's the same root word as atonement. 
to cover. <laughs> Interesting. It's covered in pitch, inside and out. It's set apart. It, it's, it is a holy place. Okay? Um, as we faithfully listen to the Lord's commands, it speaks of the righteousness of God and His goodness and His mercy unto us. So God is speaking to you about your future, and your future is speaking to the world about God. Let us have the faith that Noah did. Let us listen to God when he's speaking. Let us follow. Follow him as he says. Whatever he says for us to do. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the faithfulness of your word to encourage us and strengthen us in our faith, to challenge us where we are weak. God, I pray that we would, um, yeah, that we would follow you as Noah did, that when you give instructions, we, we listen and we go and we do. God, help us to trust in that, that we don't need all the details. We just need to be obedient. We don't know what people are going to say, how they're going to respond, what, uh, what they're going to do. The only thing we need to know is that you are faithful and that if you told us to do it, you have a reason and a purpose to it. And God, I thank you that um, Whatever Jesus saw you doing, he did. And I thank you that that meant he died on a cross for us. And that we could be brought into your family. That we could be saved from certain destruction. We thank you for all these things in Christ's name. Amen.